is nothing more inspiring than a woman being unapologetically herself. The answers are all in your heart. She's waiting, she's waiting, she's waiting for you to set her free. Welcome to BU Podcast. I'm Jill Herman and I am so glad you're here. I was broke, insecure, and craved approval. But with grit, hustle, and sacrifice, I still built a successful multi-million dollar business. 10 years in, burnout, I slowed down and looked inward. In that silence, I discovered that the same level of success could have come to me with much less effort and so much more joy. That's when I threw out the expectations of the world and chose to unbecome every single thing I thought I was supposed to be. And the real me was uncaged. It was far from easy. And in this podcast, I'll offer my entire journey as a roadmap so that if you're ready, you can finally be you. Hey, everybody. As always, it's so nice to be back with you again. I hope you enjoyed the last episode with Tiffany Carter. I know some of you bop around between episodes and not all of you listen to them in order. And maybe some of you haven't even heard the episodes from last week, but they were really good. And it's just so refreshing. The way I would describe the episode with Tiffany Carter, it was episode 151. The way I would describe Tiffany and the reason I'm such a fan now is that she's a cool girl because she's not trying to be a cool girl. She is not trying to be an influencer, and that's why she is. I just have so much respect for her. So I hope you go back at some point and listen to that episode. It was really great. And she has things to offer you that I don't. She has some really great coaching programs, et cetera, and I highly recommend her. So why am I doing an encore performance? Well, as we are growing together in this community, and, and again, everyone's on their own journey. There's no right way to do this. We're going to be zigzagging all over the place and a little this and a little that. And sometimes we're going to be going in order and listening to each episode and growing and learning. And I think, honestly, the majority of people in this community tell me that that's what they are doing. Even if they're not caught up, they're going in order. And however you're doing it, first of all, is the right way for you. It doesn't matter what Sally's doing, what you are doing. If you feel called to do it that way, then that's how you should do it. As far as life, as far as learning, as far as your journey for personal development, growth, everything, and listening to any podcast, including this one. This podcast, as you know, it's not just here for entertainment. Uh, We're not just here to learn. We're here to evolve and grow together and not just learn things in our head, but really get them into our heart and into our guts. And that's not easy, right? And there's outside work that has to happen in order to get that result. And many of you, as you're growing with me, remember I promised you in my very first, I think it's called the trailer, you know, the first intro episode, I promised that I would do two things. One, use my journey that I've had before I met you as a roadmap. Not because it's the right way, but just because I'm willing to offer all of my lessons to you that I learned many of them in painful ways. And the other promise that I'm still keeping is that I'll keep growing with you. This inner growth, whatever word you want to use for this journey inward to find who we really are and walk into the world as her with love, acceptance, and confidence. It's something that evolves at whatever pace and whatever rate it should for each person. And it's something that looks different for each person. So this journey that all of us are on, and I love that we're on this together. You know, it's not just about learning and taking in information. There's nothing wrong with that. I do that all the time. But in this collective, in this podcast experience, what we are doing together is not just learning it, but integrating it into ourselves. You know, and that takes work outside of the podcast, but we're getting it into our bodies so that we can have a different experience in this life, so that we can truly excavate the real us and walk into this world as her, not in a fake way, but truly as her. You know, having healed many of our wounds, knowing we still have a lot of healing to do, having forgiven ourselves, knowing we have a lot of forgiving to do still, forgiven other people, knowing we'll probably still have a lot of issues and experiences and people to make peace with and forgive. But that action is not stopping. And as we're learning together, what I'm finding is that it's a good idea for us to go back to 
this topic of head trash and mindset. Here's the spin on it, though. The reason I chose this particular episode is, one, it's interesting because it is, I was shocked to find out that it's the most downloaded episode to date. And the reason I was surprised is because it's a little heavier and it's very heady. You know, there's a lot of information in it. And I really didn't think a lot of people would be interested in this episode. And to this day, whatever whatever it is, five months in, five and a half months in, almost 25,000 downloads, this is the episode that most people have listened to. So I want to replay it. And you might say, why would you do that? We've already heard it. Well, clearly it resonated. But the reason I want to revisit this particular episode is to remind you and me that it has to be revisited unless you and I can teach this easily without a moment's notice, off the cuff, with no preparation, we haven't integrated it yet. So this topic of head trash and stories and mindset and creating new neural pathways in our brain and rewriting the script, et cetera, there are a lot of buzzwords in there and it sounds cool, but are we really, really doing it or have we just heard it and have we just learned it in our head? So even though I said this episode is very heady, you know, there's a lot of information that's going to go in cognitively for you to take in. The twist to it that I hinted to a minute ago is that since this episode, I've grown so much. Many of you know, and many of you don't, that I was accepted, I applied and was accepted into a program called Elementum. And it is a master coach program. And I don't even think I want to be a master coach. (laughs) I'm enrolled in this program to grow as a person, to do further healing. And because they are focusing on something called somatic release and somatic work, which is taking all of our, what we're calling in this episode, head trash, okay? I'll call it that today, the head trash. I was going to say wounds and, and trauma, which that is what creates the head trash. But all of that that is still stuck in our body because it is, it does find its way into the body and stay there. It doesn't matter how much you talk about head trash and how much you talk about mindset. I saw a LinkedIn post today about where somebody was talking about mastering the ego. Like none of that can happen. It sounds good. None of it can happen. And I've learned this more in the last two months than ever before in the course I'm in. By the way, being taught by top experts in the world with over 50 years of experience doing transformational work with people. What I've learned is that all of that is good. This episode on mindset is important. We've got to talk about our paradigm and what are your beliefs and why are those your beliefs and what stories do you have in your head? Where did they come from? Why do you feel that way about men and money and people and yourself? All of that is important. And here's the big and. It's not a but. It's an and. And unless we go into the body and also release the trauma that was created when we interpreted, our nervous system interpreted an event in the way it did, and it became overwhelming to us and to our body, and our bodies decided to stick that trauma into our body, unless we do the work, which was hinted to in a couple of other episodes, remember Kara Elizabeth talked about this, unless we do that, this episode today can only get you so far. Now, it can get you far. This episode today is going to get you farther than 95, I'm, gonna, I'm making this up, 95% of people. This episode today, if you get this and you really integrate this, you're going to be further ahead than almost every person you know as far as growth. Yet, since doing this episode, I get something I didn't get before. There's a big fat and. What about the body? What about where those stories are actually stuck? The, yes, they're in your subconscious, but what about the interpretation of the event isn't just in your subconscious. The feeling around it is in the body. And if you and I don't get that out, it shows up. And I'll do a whole nother episode on this, but I can't show you this episode today without saying this. It's sort of like a disclaimer. There's a big and, and the and is if we don't get that out, we can talk about head trash all day and we can rewrite the script and we can be further along in our life than we ever thought we could be. But yet still, we will get triggered. Yet still, we'll get that feeling in the pit of our stomach. Yet still, we'll get that tightness in our chest. Yet still, we might be lethargic and fatigued and not know why or have certain physical symptoms and we have no idea why. Autoimmune systems, no idea why. Random feelings of anxiety, no clue why because our mindset's good, right? It's all about the mindset. Well, it's about the mindset and, 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 and about the body work. 
So I promise we're going to be spending a lot of time on that body work, especially as I'm learning it in this course. I'm going to sort of share it with you as I go. We just did a whole section on trauma and it was fascinating. It was so insightful. I really understand myself even more and I understand many of you even more and I'm excited to share. So before getting into the Encore episode on head trash, I just want to say again, and this is going to sound like a commercial, but I'm doing it anyway. I really, really, I want, I don't need, but I want people who listen to this podcast who find value in it to just take a minute and share it with others and to give me a rating and a review. It's not expected, but that's an ask. I'm investing financially into this podcast every month, but it's not something that brings me income and that's not your problem, right? And many people are surprised to hear that. So the way you can help the community and help this get out to people, but also you don't have to, but the way you can help me grow this and to get it out there in front of more people, which one day will manifest this into something that does generate some income is to give a rating and review. So if you are on iTunes, you just scroll through the episodes and you'll see where it says rating and reviews. And then you can give it a five star, please. And then you can write a review, just click write a review and then you submit it. So I'm gonna read you a couple that just came through and thank you so much. We have 124 ratings and reviews, which is really great. But our goal, my goal is for us to get to 200 this month. That would be wonderful. So this one is from someone that says, Chris Fort Wayne, and I'm from Fort Wayne, so I wonder if I know this, Chris. Don't miss these. If authenticity, challenge, vulnerability, and on-fire conversations are at the top of your must-have list for a podcast, then BU is exactly what you're looking for. Jill shares from her experience with No Holds Barred and encourages her listeners to live a life that is holy and truly theirs. Wow, that is really well-written. Thank you so, so much. All right, let me scroll down. Someone just wrote, looks like I've got some catching up to do, but I'm excited to hear more. Thank you. I'm not sure their name here is Brenda Nema. This is a great one from Run Rocks. Thank you, whoever that is. Thought-provoking. I absolutely love Jill's podcast. I strongly encourage women to listen to this podcast and have recommended many episodes on social media since I started listening. The topics are thought-provoking, wise, entertaining, and really challenge one to evolve in our thinking and elevate how we are living life. Thank you so much. These truly mean a lot to me. Even if that didn't get this podcast anywhere, I want you to know that it's just a big thank you for me. It means a lot that you took the time to do this. I don't know if any of you have ever been in sales, but I used to be. And I had customers who loved the product and it actually transformed their health and they never told anyone. (laughs) And I always thought to myself, why? And two, please. All right, I'll read just one more. I've got like four more new ones. This is great. This is from Dino Jake 7 from April 2nd. It says, one of my faves. I'm a picky podcast listener, and this one fits all my criteria. Great topic, excellent sound quality, entertaining, and educational. Oh, thank you. Jill's voice is so soothing to listen to, too. You'll want to come back to this one over and over. Thank you so very much. All right, so let's get into this episode on Head Trash, and I will see you on the next episode. everyone. Welcome back to BU. This is Jill Herman. And today we are going to talk head trash, limiting beliefs, stories, that little voice, the inner roommate. Before we get into that, I want to say thank you for all of the interaction and feedback and comments. So many people subscribing to BU podcast and giving us five-star reviews, leaving comments, sharing nuggets of wisdom that they've gained, sharing it with their friends. And those of you just sending me messages of encouragement, thank you so much. I also want to thank again my very first interview guest, Kayla Kraft, who spoke with us on the last episode. Uh, So many of you loved it, and you see why I have hired her as my very first business coach. So in my first episode, I talked to you about my anxiety and the thoughts I uh, had about money and people and status, et cetera. But I didn't really give it a name. And so as we start this journey together, I want to start first at how this happens, how we have these stories in our heads, where they come from, and what we can do about them. So in the end, I'm going to give you three takeaways that you can implement into your life starting today that will make a direct 
positive impact on how you feel and how you show up in the world. Okay, so I love the name Head Trash. I actually stole it. (laughs) My husband heard it from a business coach and I stole it from him and I've used it ever since. You've also heard the term limiting or self-limiting beliefs. I'm sure you've heard stories, the little voice. I heard someone say the inner roommate and I loved that term. It's that negative Nancy who lives in the back of your brain. Now, some of you might say, yeah, I don't have, I don't, I don't have her. You do. (laughs) You just may not realize it. Now, what I used to say to people was identify that belief. And I called mine Nagness and, you know, kick her in the teeth, kick her to the curb, get rid of her, ditch her. And I realized through the work that I've done that that doesn't really work. It sounds cool. It sounds good. But it's like telling someone to get healthy and lose weight by just eating less. I mean, it's just more complex than that. There are feelings underneath this, right? There are new habits that need to form. You know, we've got to go in with some weed killer and rip out some of those weeds that have been planted in our brain that have been there our entire lives. And sometimes we might need, you know, some major equipment to go in there and remove them. It's not as easy as just planting a few new flowers. Now that's important. We need to do that as well. And we'll talk about that on later episodes. But as far as getting rid of these stories and these beliefs, which cause the anxiety, which cause us to compare ourselves, which cause us to feel insecure, to look on Instagram and say, I need to be that or be less or be more, et cetera. We first have to know what we're even dealing with. So I'm no psychologist, right? I have no background in psychology, but I have been an experiment <laughs> and a project um, of psychologists, of experts and coaches and and on my own journey. And I've learned so much. So I'm going to give you a little taste of what this looks like from my vantage point. And I invite you to research this more. Just do some searches online, read books, and uh, dig even deeper. All of these thoughts start in our brain, but in a part of our brain that we don't know is in control. And it's called the subconscious brain. So, you know, I I like to describe it as the conscious brain, right, thinks it's in charge, but it's not. The subconscious brain doesn't even know it's in charge and it's running the show and drive. it is the director of your theater and driving the bus all at the same time. That's where all of this is coming from. But it's kind of like if you picture an iceberg, you can only see, you know, 5%. Um, above surface, but then look what's below the surface. But what's below the surface is our subconscious brain. It's so important for us to just get that, first of all. So what lives there? Well, so much lives there. But when we talk about head trash, it's all there. Now, again, there are people who will say, maybe even some of you listening to this podcast, yeah, I don't think I have that. It's probably because you're winning at life. You're doing great in life. You're happy. You're fulfilled. You have great relationships. You're financially strong. You're healthy. You have them. It's just that they're not running your life. You either have never identified them and you've been able to achieve what you want to achieve without letting them run your life, or you have less of them than some people. You know, I have, I, I truly believe after working with hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of women over a dec, over the course of a decade plus. That there are some people that for whatever reason, they don't have as much head trash. Now, we all have it. I mean, even Oprah, <laughs> we all have it. You know, whether whether we recognize that we have lots of stories that hold us back or we don't even know if we have them, where do they come from? We know they live in the subconscious brain, but how do they get there? If we we're born, you know, as this, if this clean slate, you know, this beautiful clean slate and this pure soul, uh, where do they come from? Well, from two places. First, when we experience things as a child, and this could be anywhere from, you know, we're a, a baby up until like, you know, eight to 12 years old, we experience anything and we add meaning to it. Okay. Well, at that time in our lives, when we're, let's say we're under eight years old, when our brain is developing, our subconscious brain is taking everything in as true. It's a sponge. And when it comes in, it comes in as true. And, and I will tell you, it gets like cemented in there. And then it becomes a lens or a filter through which we see and hear everything for the rest of our lives. So either we see, we experience something and we add meaning to it, and I'll give you examples, or another way these thoughts get there, these stories get there, is that people, maybe they're our parents, maybe it's someone we look up to, maybe it's a friend, maybe it's a neighbor. At some point, someone directly says 
something to us that we don't really add meaning to, but they actually say, you're bad, you're ugly, you know, you're, you're unlovable. Or they say words about money, about someone else, about love, about relationships, about fear, about men, about anything. So we either experience something and add our own meaning to it, and that becomes our truth, which becomes our lens through which we see everything, or I would say, and things are said to us, not everyone's had this experience, but I have, things are said to us that create that story for us, which is so painful to even think about, but those words also become part of the lens or even another lens that we see things through. So I'll give you examples. The first is I hear my parents arguing. I'm seven years old and I hear my parents arguing about money. Now they're just arguing about money, but the meaning I add to it is that money is bad. Money causes parents to argue. Money is scary. Money is something to be feared. Another story I could make up or meaning I could add to that experience is I heard them arguing about how much my birthday party costs. I caused them problems. I am a mistake. I am a nuisance. I could even combine that and think anyone spending money on me is bad. Do you see? This is, this is how it happens. Another example could be I experienced not getting chosen first or maybe getting chosen last in gym class for square dancing. Or the boy that I like the most doesn't choose me and chooses the person next to me. Maybe I think he's pointing to me and I get all excited and he's pointing to Michelle next to me. And the meaning I add to everyone laughing is that I'm unlovable. I'm unwanted. I'm not worthy to be chosen. Or maybe if I showed excitement, and people laughed, the meaning I create, the story I create is don't show your feelings. Don't ever, ever show them your cards. Now, again, this is not a conscious choice. It's not a seven-year-old saying, I'm going to start thinking this way. I've made my decision that this is how I'm going to live my life. No, this just gets implanted in our brain. And we have no idea that we start seeing all experiences through that, right? So you'll hear people call it your reptilian brain, your monkey mind, our brain is always searching for what's wrong. It's keeping us safe. You know, we don't want to be in danger. And so that's also at play here. But when experiences happen when we are children and we add meaning to them, sometimes we think that we just got over it or we just don't remember it. We may not remember it because it just got stored in the back of our brain. But it's actually with us every single day when we're 36 years old and uh, the guy that we want to you know, date doesn't ask us on a date. And that same feeling comes back. Instead of saying, oh, that's interesting. He didn't ask me on a date. The feeling is rejection, abandonment. I'm not good enough. I knew I was unlovable. So as we experience these things and add that meaning to them, or we actually hear words directly spoken to us, again, I've told you, thank goodness not everyone knows what this feels like, but there are children who have been told things like, you're just nothing but trouble. We never should have had another child. You know, you, you're, you're ugly. You should be pretty like your sister. I mean, I mean, I could go on and on. People have heard words like this spoken to them directly. So if obviously we know that's going to do some damage and they're going to carry that around. But what if these words were spoken just about nothing? You know, what if you, you overheard uh, a conversation between your mom and the next door neighbor and she was talking about men and you heard the woman say, Men cannot be trusted. They will always, always cheat on you. And instead of just hearing that and thinking, oh, that's kind of weird. I wonder why she would say that. As a five-year-old, you might hear that and it goes into your brain as the truth. And then what filter do you see men through for the rest of your life? And you have no idea that you're seeing this way. You have no idea why you always feel like every guy's going to cheat on you. Why you always feel the need to check up on them and ask them where they were. And you're like, where's this coming from? That's where it's coming from. What if someone said to you, um, this is something that was said to me when I was a child. We had a, I have a lot of stories around money. I'll just give you mine. But mine's interesting. I actually noticed right before recording, I said, I said to my husband, I just, I just had a, a, a light bulb moment. I've been very aware of my money mindset and my limiting beliefs for, for a few, about four or five years now. And one thing I didn't realize is that I've got 
two different limiting beliefs happening at once when it comes to money. My parents argued on a regular basis. I forgive them. They were doing the best they knew how. They're great people. They raised three wonderful children. We're all successful. We're all happy. You know, we have great lives. Wonderful parents. They fought nonstop all the time. It did a lot of damage to us. They were usually fighting about money. So on one hand, obviously, one of my stories is that money causes problems. I mean, money causes pain and anguish and arguments and tears. Money's bad. But on the other hand, we never had enough money, and that's all I ever heard. You know, there are people who grow up poor, and they never feel poor, right? I felt poor because it was talked about constantly in my home. Never enough, never enough. We don't have anything. You know, we had holes in our carpet, and we had an oven that wouldn't work many times. Our phone would get turned off because the bill wasn't paid. We didn't have a car and it had to get ride. We had to get rides from other people. I mean, furniture was given to us and donated. I mean, it was, it was not pleasant. But because of what was said around that, right? Not only did I fear money because it was bad and it caused pain, caused pain and arguments. What else do you think was happening? I longed for money. I thought money was the answer. If we only had money, if we only had the money to, to, you know, get new carpet and have a, a car and all the things that make my mom sad and all the things that make my mom and dad argue, if we had that, then we would be happy. So uh, my entire life, what do you think was going on with me? It's crazy. On one hand, I had such a desire and drive to make money. I mean, I rode my bicycle to my very first job at 14 or 15. I was babysitting at age 10, right? And making money and making flyers and passing them out all over the neighborhood. And then I rode my bicycle pretty far to apply for my very first job. My parents didn't even know it. I was working at a drugstore called Revco Drugs back in the, um, it would have been in the early, early 80s. And so I was always striving for money and wanting money because money was the answer. But at the same time, money causes problems. So what happened as an adult is that I could never hold on to it, right? I had this drive for it so I would make the money. I could make money appear out of nowhere. I could find a job and every interview I went into, I knew I was going to get the job. You know, I always had something cooking. I always had something cooking. I always had money coming in, but I was always broke. One, because I had a broke mindset, right? But I also didn't never had enough money. I was giving it all away or, or, or loaning it or spending it or whatever, so that's an example of how you can actually have two things working against you. This lens that forms because of those stories, and again, the stories that we create come from experiences we have to which we add meaning or words that we actually hear people speak about things or people or about us or, exact, or directly to us. And then we form this, these stories such as money is bad, men should be feared, you know, I'm not lovable. Uh, one of mine has always been, which is so funny because I have a podcast now, right? People don't want to hear what I have to say. I'm invisible. No one sees me or hears me. I don't matter. I'm invisible. So that lens that forms, we then see everything through. I mean, picture that. Picture, picture a lens in front of you, right? That says things like men are dangerous, money is bad, but money is also the only answer to peace and happiness. Whatever those stories are, picture that as a lens. You and I walk around life unconsciously seeing every experience, every relationship, every interaction, every comment, everything, every movie, <laughs> everything, every behavior of others through that lens. So it's a distorted view of life. It's a distorted view of the world, but it's our reality. So guess what? It's true. We then become detectives. And we start collecting evidence to prove that those stories are true. Why do we do that? Because that's just the way it works. What you and I do as human beings is we make, make our reality out in the physical form match the reality that is in our mind, right? So picture it almost like a picture, right? You have a picture in your brain and you're searching to make sure that you can create a situation that matches that picture because if it doesn't match, nothing makes sense in the world. If I'm certain that money is bad, if I'm certain that money causes problems, 
right? That when I, or, or that is why then I win the lottery and I end up broke. If I am certain in my subconscious, remember this is unconscious. We don't know we're thinking this. Some of it is obvious, right? You might know that you have those thoughts about money or, or something bad happened when you were a child, something traumatic, and you've always known that you feared men, right? But I'm talking about the things that you don't know are happening in your subconscious. You don't know those stories are there. You don't know that this is causing this picture movie in your brain and this lens that you're seeing everything through. So what happens is if you're going to make your external reality match your internal reality, you and I are going to sabotage relationships, sabotage our finances, sabotage our own health. We're going to create things out in the world. We're going to add meaning to situations out in the world such as I see my two friends having lunch, I have a story that I'm invisible and I'm unseen and unheard, and I have a story that I'm unlovable and unwanted, so I see my two friends having lunch and what do I say? I add meaning to that experience to make it match what's in my brain. What meaning do I add? I knew I wasn't worthy. I knew they didn't like me. Of course they're having lunch without me. Why would they invite me? Right? You see how I just added that meaning to it? That's not what's happening. Two people are having lunch and that is it, period, end of story. But I, as an adult, I don't know if you've ever done this, I spent years putting the emphasis on the meaning, not on the actual facts, right? You're, 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 you're worried that your, your partner is going to be unfaithful. So you see something on their phone or you, you hear a whisper of something. I knew it. Today's the day I find out I'm getting cheated on. And they actually, actually were whispering about a surprise party they were planning for you. <laughs> That's a little more obvious, but what about some subtle ones? What about you feeling since you were a child that you were not beautiful? No one told you you weren't beautiful, right? You didn't get chosen for something at school, or you went to get your picture taken on the first day of third grade, right? And you brought your picture home and your mom said, oh, shoot, why didn't we do your hair? And all she meant was, she felt bad as a mom. She wished she would have curled your hair. She didn't mean you didn't look beautiful, but your meaning, the meaning you added was, I'm not pretty enough. I, I'm not pretty enough. I didn't know that. Okay, I'm not pretty enough. And everything you experience and see throughout life is through the lens of what? I'm not pretty. I'm not pretty. I'm not pretty enough. I'm unattractive. So then you're an adult and you don't get asked on a date by some person and it means nothing. The universe is actually working in your favor and you don't get asked on a date because you're not going to like that person and you're not meant to be together. But the meaning you add is, I knew it's because I wasn't pretty. I knew I should have done my hair. I knew I should have. You see? Now, for some of you, this is old school. This is old, I mean, information. You know this. But my question for you, for those who are hearing this going, yep, got it. Yep, not new to me. Yep. Are you living this way? Are you consciously aware every day of those stories? Are you choosing to rewrite those stories? Are you teaching this information to other people? If you're not, that's okay. But if you're not, that means you're still on this journey. So as we're looking out to collect evidence to prove that those stories are true, we will manipulate what's actually happening to match what we see in our brain and what is in the subconscious because then we will feel calm. Then we will feel like everything is right in the world. Because the two opposites can't be true, right? If I'm certain, I'm certain that money is difficult to earn, and I'm certain that money causes problems in my subconscious, not in my conscious brain, in my subconscious, then when I go out to get a promotion and I know that it's going to come with more money, the story I might make up about that is, you know... Here's the thing. It's going to be so much extra work. And I think Mary actually probably deserves it more. I mean, I can just, I, I can pass up this promotion and look into it in a year. And we don't know why we're doing it. But it's almost like we're zombies. You know, I'm picturing, I had my arms in front of me right now. It's like we're walking, you know, like zombies with our arms out in front of us. And, and you know, scrambled eggs for brains, having no idea why we keep getting these shitty results in our lives. Or maybe you're getting great results but you're not feeling fulfilled. You achieve and you achieve and you've got all those boxes checked, checked, but you never really feel like it's enough. Well, maybe that's because deep, deep, deep down, you have a limiting belief, a little voice, a story, head trash 
that's telling you you're not enough. So no matter how much you achieve, it will never be enough because you don't think you're enough. So every single limiting belief that we have, every story that is planted in our brain that we're using as a lens to look through for every experience, no matter what it is, and there are so many, boil down to one. If you want to whittle it all down, it all comes down to, I am not enough. I am afraid I'm not enough. And you might say, no, 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 mine is I'm afraid I'm too much. That's still a fear of not enough, right? If I'm afraid I'm going to be too much, and that was one of my, my entire life, you know, I didn't want to be too pretty because someone I don't trust might touch me in a way that I shouldn't be touched, right? I didn't want to be too smart because then some of the boys at school wouldn't like me because if I beat them in ciphering and math, right, they wouldn't like me as much. It's cuter to dumb yourself down. So the fear of being too much, which is, it's a fear commonly held by women. Um, I actually didn't even realize uh, that I had that story until I read a book called The Big Leap, one of my very favorite books. I highly recommend that. We'll put it in the show notes, The Big Leap by Gay Hendricks. And although I felt that way my whole life, I didn't know how to articulate it as I'm worried that I'm too much or I'll be too too much. And I think then my insecurity and my ego was tripped by saying, oh, that's arrogant to say that. It doesn't mean you think you're you're worried that you're better than everybody. You're just worried you're going to be too much. And so you you put a muzzle on yourself. You shrink down. And so many of us do that. I think as women, we assume that most women are afraid that they're not enough, right? But truly the not enough, the lack manifest, manifests many times as I'm worried I'm going to be actually be too much. So we don't raise our hand in the meeting. We don't speak up. We, we call every conversation that isn't bubblegum confrontation. Oh, I hate confrontation, right? Well, it's not confrontation. It's just clear communication and clear communication is actually very healthy and very kind. But all of this that we're talking about starts to show up in our lives, not just in ways of us creating and adding meaning, right? To make those stories match what's in our head. It also starts manifesting physically. So I'll show you what that, what that looks like. When you look at your inner circle, you know, the the five or so people you spend the most time with outside of your spouse and your immediate family, by the way, the, the friends, the social relationships that you have, those people are probably making the same amount of money as you. They probably have about the same amount of debt. They probably have the same philosophy on life in general. They probably think the same way when it comes to whether or not they have a growth mindset or a, and a, a fixed mindset. Growth mindset comes from abundance. Fixed mindset comes from lack, right? They're very similar to you, even if they don't look like you, they have different jobs and you say, oh no, they're nothing like me. But when you really boil it down, here's what matches. Their head trash. Their head trash and your head trash are twinsies. The level of mastery around the head trash, twinsies. They may have different head trash, but you're probably at the same level, the same place in life as uh, with regard to your identification of the head trash and what you've done or or been willing to do about it and your awareness around it. It also manifests, these limiting beliefs manifest um, well, many ways, physically, but also, I mean, as far as your physical body, but also financially. You don't just probably make about the same money as your your friends. Who cares? Like, you know, if I'm, I'm making $30,000, $40,000 a year and my girlfriends are all in the same occupation with me and they make the same amount, who cares, right? Why does that matter? Well, here's what's interesting. You are friends with them because of association, because of convenience, and you like them, right? But you attracted those specific people because of those inner stories that are the same, the head trash that's the same, the commitment or lack of commitment, awareness or lack of awareness about the head trash and what you're willing to do about it. So when when you look at money, your limiting beliefs manifest in your bank account. And I know that rubs people the wrong way. It used to rub me the wrong way because it's not true that people who are not, quote, rich are unhappy. That's not true. I mean, look at Mother Teresa, right? People who don't have a lot of money can have such a sense of peace, happiness, abundance in their mind and love and prosperity 
without having stuff and things. However, an abundant mindset always manifests as abundance in all areas of your life. Because your vibration is higher, and we'll talk about that um, in detail in another episode, but your vibration is higher, so you're attracting um, people with that higher vibration, opportunities, relationships, experiences, jobs, etc. So am I saying that if you have a lot of money, you absolutely have an abundant mindset? No. I mean, there are people who fall into it. There are people who get it um, just through grit, hard work, hustle, and dishonesty. But for the most part, the lens that we're seeing the world through, those limiting beliefs we're talking about in the subconscious brain will show up in three ways. There are inner circle, our finances, and our closest, most personal relationships, our spouse, our partner the way we interact with our own children, the way we interact with our own parents. So I'll give a few examples. When it comes to relationships, well, if I feel unlovable and I feel unwanted and I always have a fear that someone's going to leave me because my, this is a true story for me, my my parents got a divorce and my dad moved out when I was in sixth grade and I was so close to my brother, my older brother's. One had already gone to college at that point because he was 10 years older than me. Um, But my brother that was closer to me in age um, moved out of our house uh, when we were in high school and lived with another family. And he, quote, left me. And then my oldest brother that I was so close to, even though he was off in college and medical school, he got married when I was, I think, 14 or 15. And he, quote, left me. And my dad found someone else to live with and didn't make us a priority. And he, quote, left me. So I didn't realize until I think 47 years old that I had a fear that men would leave me. I didn't even know that I felt that way. So what do you think happened when I was having an argument a couple of years ago with my husband? And he's like, you know what? I'm just going to go. I, you know, He was getting upset. He needed to just cool off, which is very healthy. It's a healthy boundary. But when he left and stormed off and drove out, I had what I think is a panic attack. Where in the world did that come from? I'll tell you where it came from. It came from that story that I'm going to be left by a man. Men leave. And so that triggered that experience. So triggers are another thing we're going to dig into. But but we experience things in our life today that will trigger these wounds and these old stories that were planted in our brains when we were tiny and we were little and we don't even know it. So when you're looking at your circle, your inner circle, how do those people behave? Do they gossip a lot? Are they ambitious? Do they make fun of people who are rich and wealthy? Do they say things like, oh, finally Friday, or can't wait till Friday, or of course it's Monday, are they high energy achievers? Do they give and serve? Do they, you know, have to drink their sorrows away? Like, like, how do they show up? And then I want you to look at yourself and say, why did I attract them? You can like them and you can love them, but why are you spending time with them? Do they fill you up? You, they are a mirror to you. Your inner circle, those, those, the five people you spend the most time with, and I'm talking about by choice, not I'm stuck next to negative Nancy in my cubicle. No, the people you're going to meet for a drink after work, the ones you're going to invite to your barbecue on Saturday, those five people that you personally spend the most time with, they are a mirror to you and they are you. No, they're not. Yes, they are. And then you might say, well, gosh, Jill, that's rude. Are you telling me to like break up with my friends? Maybe. It depends. What if you decided to have a healthy boundary and love them from a distance? What if you decided instead of meeting them at the same restaurant on the same day or talking about the same stuff over and over again, what if you said, you know what, guys, I'm actually going to see you once a month now. And you spent that time maybe going to a Pilates class or listening to a podcast while you go on a run. You will start bringing in new people to fill those spots in that inner circle as you grow yourself. So you will attract what you are. And those stories from your childhood are a huge factor. You might say, well, what am I going to do? Get rid of them? I mean, they're there. You can't get rid of them, but you can rewrite the narrative. And that's part of the journey we're going to go on on this podcast. And we're going to walk through this stuff. 
You're not, you know, people can say, oh, just do affirmations. You can't just do affirmations. That's like putting whipped cream on shit. You can't just say affirmations in the morning and have your kale smoothie and put something on Instagram and somehow get over the story that you're not enough and you're unlovable and people are going to leave you. It doesn't work that way. Okay. So again, these stories will manifest in the, in, in many ways, but the three we're talking about today are your inner circle. Check that inner circle. Maybe you need to break up with some people. Maybe you need to make some edits. Maybe you need to look around and go, I have an amazing inner circle. That inner circle, the reaction of those people is going to tell you whether or not they're for you. Because if they don't grow along with you and they're not cheering you on, they're not your circle. They're not the circle you should be with. And as you level up, again, it's not about better than. It's about raising your vibration and, 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 and raising the way you are showing up in this world as you spread those wings and identify those ring, wings and start flying, how they respond says a lot, but also how you respond. Do you feel guilty? Do you feel like you need to take them with you? Picture yourself. You're a butterfly. You all of a sudden, you know, you're eight episodes in and you found your wings and you're 20 episodes in and you've got your wings and they're strong enough to fly and you're ready to go. And then you're like, ah, but I have to take Mary and Jenny with me. I have to. I have to rescue them. What's going to happen? You're going to, you know, be dragged down with them. But what if you said, I love that circle. I don't have to get rid of them. They're doing the best they can. I'm doing the best they can. I love them for who they are. They're on their own journey. But I don't need to give up my growth to make them more comfortable. I'm just going to see them once a month instead of every single Wednesday. And then all of a sudden, new people will show up in your life. You'll find yourself feeling more attracted to new people, and you'll feel find yourself feeling less attracted to some of the people who you used to spend so much time with. Oh my gosh, I could talk about this for days, but let's move on now to the three takeaways from this episode. First, I want you to identify your head trash exactly in words. I am what? What is some of your head trash? I'm fat. I'm lazy. Um, I'm unlovable. Men are what? Money is what? Friends are what? People are what? What are your stories? Your head trash. Number two, I want you to now write out the opposite, like literally on a piece of paper. I hope you have a journal. I've been guilty of not journaling ever. Like I, I do all this work and I'm, 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 I'm doing so much to improve my life and who I am, but I've avoided some pretty interesting things. And one was looking in the mirror and telling myself that I like and love myself. And number two was journaling. And they're probably the most two impact, impactful things we could do. Um, so in your journal, or if you're like me and you haven't started a journal, just on a piece of paper or on the note section of your phone, that'd be a good one. In the note section of your phone, I want you to restate those limiting beliefs in the positive. I am loved. I am wanted. I am safe. I am seen. I am heard. Those are mine. I am beautiful. I'm gorgeous. I am more than enough. I'm intelligent. I'm lovable. And number three, now is where you get to play detective in the reverse. You're already playing detective, even if you don't realize it. Remember, you're walking around collecting evidence to prove that that story in your head is true. Now you're going to do the opposite. You're going to become a detective. And all throughout the day, you're going to start collecting evidence to prove the newly stated belief. So as, first of all, at, just for, by looking for it, it will show up. Just like, you know, all, someone all of a sudden tells you about a, my, my sister-in-law is getting a new car. I can't think of what it's called right now. Roadster, maybe? I don't remember what it's called. She told me about it the other day. And I was like, oh, I, I've, I've heard of that car before, right? And then I started seeing those cars, right? Because that was then in my awareness. So just because you're going to choose to look for this evidence, it's going to be there. But the coolest thing, you guys, is that you're going to look at a conversation with your partner. And the old story was going to prove that you're not enough, that men are unreliable, that you're unseen, you're unheard, whatever. But suddenly you're now going to look for evidence to prove the new story. And you'll say, hot damn, it's there. Oh my gosh, I had no idea that it's been there the whole freaking time. I didn't even know it was there, right? Just like you didn't even know that that, you know, whatever, that that yellow convertible car that your friend is getting, they've been in your city the whole time. You didn't even know it because you didn't know it. It wasn't in your awareness and you weren't looking for them. But now you're looking. So collect evidence throughout the day, but I want you to write it down. Don't just make a mental note. In the notes section of your phone, 
because all of us have our phones glued to us, don't we? I want you to write down those positive statements, the reverse of the limiting beliefs, and then collect evidence throughout the day. For example, you're at work. If you're physically going to work now, many people are working from home. But let's say you get on Zoom and you're there a minute early and you always feel like you're not the one liked at the office. You get on there and someone says, hey, Mary, how are you doing today? And instead of clamming up like normal, you say, I'm actually doing really well. How are you doing? And then you start chatting. Right there can be, oh my gosh, people do want to talk to me. She's one of the more popular people at the office and she asked me how I was. I had this whole story that she was better than me, right? So collect evidence throughout the entire day. And then before you go to sleep, I want you to write about it. How did it feel to create a new story? How did it feel to collect evidence? And are you willing to keep doing it? Because this is going to be lifelong work. You can't just do it one time and then say, all right, I checked that box. I'm ready for the next lesson. You have to keep doing it. Your brain is already going to, it's, 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 it's going to pull you back to the negative. I told you it's always searching for what's wrong. What's wrong? What's wrong? How am I going to get hurt? So that's, this isn't going to be natural. This is like, you know, we're going to identify a muscle that you didn't even know you had. And then once you identify it, that's not enough. It's going to be flaccid. <laughs> it's going to be so, so, so not ready. And you're going to work that muscle. What's going to happen? You're going to get sore. It's not going to feel good. It's going to feel awkward and weird. You know, if you started working out and you're seeing no results, no results, no results, why am I doing this? I forgot. I'm trying to get healthy. And then you look in the mirror and you're like, oh my gosh, my butt's like an inch higher. (laughs) How did that happen? Well, it was happening incrementally, you know, over the course of 12 weeks. That's what's going to happen with this. You won't feel like it's doing anything and it will feel awkward and weird. It's going to be like eating with your non-dominant hand, you know, driving the opposite way to work, which by the way, you should do those things. But then there's going to come a point in time very soon where you're going to say, oh my gosh, I'm naturally starting to look for evidence to prove that I am lovable, I'm worthy, I'm this, I'm that. And it feels really good. And I'm actually seeing that now everywhere. Okay. So I hope this was interesting, stimulating, inspiring. I hope you enjoyed it. Please, please, please consider doing these three exercises at the end. I can't wait to hear what results you get. I'd love to hear from you. And I mean that. If you don't feel ready to really dig in and do the work, that's okay too. It's okay to just be learning right now. If you're one of our listeners who is super inspired by this and does want to dig in, this is just the very beginning for you. This is going to be life-changing. And many in our BU Collective, including myself, will be right here every step of the way with you. Thank you so much for joining me on BU. I know there was something in this episode you were meant to hear. So let me know in a DM on Instagram at JillHermanBU. Be sure to subscribe to the BU podcast. And if you have iTunes, I would so appreciate you rating the podcast and leaving a comment with your biggest aha or takeaway. Sharing a screenshot of this episode on your story is the best way for us to reach women just like you. And if you send a link to a friend, let her know what unique quality she has that the world needs more of. If this is your first visit, welcome to our BU Collective, where we get honest about what it takes to find our true self so we can set her free and start living.